0: Mark and Dan, Mark and Dan, podcast, Mark and Dan, what's up all you cool cats and kittens, welcome back to another episode of Mark and Dan Meets World, I am Dan Brown and i'm 20th anniversary of mark mckay mark how you doing today
1: brother i'm doing great because uh 20 years ago guess who graduated from high school who you don't know no do you you do i do (laughs) it's Corey, sean topanga and minkus and all those other kids uh sorry chauncey couldn't make it he died uh rest in peace chauncey chauncey mania running wild still forever
0: D1 Guy uh I think he got transferred to a different yeah. school system.
1: We miss you Dwan Guy. But uh yeah, dude 20 years ago would have been their anniversary. So
0: it, it's crazy cuz we do talk about uh continuity issues on the show cuz they did yeah. graduate in what uh what year t- 1998 or 1999? I believe it was 98. 98 yeah,
1: 1998. Yeah, 1998
0: uh, you are correct. Yes.
1: Yeah. So I, I know they did like a jump ahead of like two years i think it was like season three to season four so they were technically supposed to graduate in 2000 and then they changed it to 98
0: yeah because of the one year when cory was technically supposed to be in the ninth grade he was suddenly in the 11th uh yeah. which we never questioned as kids but you know as things go on uh this is the class pre-union episode we're talking season one episode nine it debuted november 26 1993 it got 7.7 out of 10 180 votes on imdb and man i gotta say this uh this episode brought back memories about me being in school and doing these projects about our future um also uh, how I did not get a very good grade on, on my project either. But yeah, what about you, Mark? I, I know like this whole thing, uh,
1: this episode was like, show up where you would be 20 years after your graduation.
0: Yeah, so it was kind of like the, a pre-union. What was the Disney Plus um, synopsis of the show? Uh, I, I can look it up. You know, Mark, you are such a poser.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> uh, the Disney Plus... Description is Mr. Feeny fouls up Corey's dream to become a professional baseball player.
0: Which oh, it I mean, says it says fouls up.
1: Yep, fouls yeah, up.
0: Like a foul baseball.
1: Yeah. God I mean, damn it,
0: those writers are so punny. Yeah. <laughs> so they got
1: something in. But yeah, I remember in when I was in seventh grade, they told us all to do something like this, where they want us to dress up as the career we want to do. And in seventh grade, I was like, I want to be a musician. I want to be in a rock band. I want to be a rock star. And in seventh grade, I listened to a lot of hair metal. I was like really into Twisted Sister, Kissed, Motley Crue. Yeah, I was like super into hair metal. I mean, I still am. Uh, I mean, I met Dee Snider a couple years ago. But yeah, I'm huge into hair metal in the seventh grade. So they told us to dress up as
0: what our career would be. Please tell me you went dressed as Dee Snider and Gene Simmons, like a cross between the two.
1: Well, I had like this wig that i bought at a halloween store because it was around halloween so i had this like huge like fluffed up hair i had these fake uh pleather pants these giant boots i had like kind of like nicky six looking like that whole like glam rock and i wore that to school on the day we were supposed to do it and nobody else fucking dressed up <laughs> i was the only one that showed up dressed like like this
0: Oh, that's amazing!
1: Which, like, oh. in retrospect, if I if I would have done this like as me now, I would like keep it going all day. Like, I would just do the thank you, Mrs. L. Callahan, rock and roll, and then just leave every <laughs> class like just going yeah.
0: I had a similar story. Like, I didn't have to dress up for my project, but in the ninth grade. We actually had a teacher's assistant. So somebody going through grad school, like teaching the class for, um, for a couple of quarters, they had the responsibility of assigning us a paper, which was, um, essentially what do you want to be when you grow up? And they gave us a guideline of what to give to go by. Mm -hmm. I turned my paper in, um, a week before anyone else. So I got 10 bonus points just for doing that. And I still got a 49% uh, on that paper. Because And I was I was so devastated. I was so hurt because at this time, like I was a huge pro, you know, I still am a huge pro wrestling fan, but I was writing a paper how I want to be a pro wrestler, um, which I never got the chance to do because of a um, a, a misdiagnosis on a medical condition. Um, we'll go into future um, episode. But like I, I did this whole big thing and I did research on that then, uh, you know, well, it, at the time, it was WWE, so they switched from WWF to WWE. WWE. Um, I went to a huge thing about how they got started and how you go get into professional wrestling and how you go to wrestling school and how eventually you want to get into Ohio Valley Wrestling, which is their developmental territory. Yeah, and, at that time. Yeah, and then you know how there's other options as well, like because um, at that time, um, Ring of Honor had just started. So I, I mentioned Ring of Honor in my paper and NWA TNA had just started. Uh, and then there was that um, that very short-lived Australian promotion that like Brett Hart was going to be the general manager of. Um, like I mentioned all of these things and I was like, this is how you do it and this is where you get signed and this is how you get bump and pay and the pay-per-view buy rates. And he was like, yeah, but you didn't follow the structure whatsoever. Like he wasn't grading on my actual like passion for the project. Yeah. He was grading it on like, well, you didn't number the pages. Your paragraphs are terrible. Everything has a run on sentence. <laughs> like, like I, I probably did turn in probably one of the worst papers this guy had to read. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it but was you can see your
1: genuine excitement in it.
0: Oh, yeah. But like I, I felt like Corey when Feeney cut his legs out underneath of him, which is yeah. my one big fucking gripe with this episode, because last week we talked about teacher's bet where they go into the importance of knowing history and uh, treating your teacher with respect. And one fucking week later, one goddamn fucking week later, Corey's saying how they shouldn't have to learn history, and he's openly mocking Feeney to the rest of the class.
1: Yeah, where he's just like, is every boring person named George in history? Yes! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just totally kicks them in the balls.
0: Which is great because I'm looking. I, I have last week's notes in front of me here. That episode aired November 19th, 1993. This one aired November 26th. So there wasn't like a week gap. Like, you know, yeah. oh, there's there's no um Boy Meets World this week. You know, we're going to have the Laker game on Friday night instead of TGIF.
1: Yeah, and they just totally kicked, just disregarded the last episode. Episode, but
0: uh, you know here and and the main guest star of the episode is um Marty York who who played um Larry the third best friend in, in this crew um or, or Corey's second best friend I should say um he played Yaya on The Sandlot and I love where they're in the they're in the cafeteria and Sean says he's going to be a tire salesman <laughs> just like everyone yeah. else in his family and, and Larry thinks that he's going to just kiss Feeny's butt and he's going to show up as Feeny which I'm going to say that when they actually show the classroom and everyone's in their outfits, he knocked it out of the park. Like that was in Austin powers with mini me. Like if you clone Feeney, that's what clone Feeney would look like. Yeah. had the same style hair, had the gray in his hair, had the, even had the mustache. He even had a mustache too. Uh, And he was, he was truly a poser. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I, I like, I loved Corey's excitement for it. And his friends laughed in his face. um, Which, you know, I mean, you got into wrestling, you got into music. I'm sure there were people who kind of laughed in your face for that kind of stuff. Dude, I'm still getting it now. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, like I'm as a comedian and as, you know, a comic book writer and the shit that I'm doing, you know, I'm still getting people going like, ah, you know, you really don't think you'd be able to get anything for this, do you? Yeah. So I mean, you're always gonna have haters along the way. You're always gonna get people trying to discourage you from shit. And it's sometimes gonna come from the people who are the closest to you. But I did notice this, especially like because I remember as a kid watching this being mad at Feeney for failing Corey, because mm-hmm. I had the big dreams too. Um yeah. but now as an adult realizing that He was failing him, not because of his passion for baseball, but because his lack of um, knowledge actually going into what his so-called passion is. And, and, you know, now more so as an adult, I appreciate what Feeney did for Corey more than what more so than what I ever did as a child. Yeah, because his only excuse was, well, I, I got guys. I got guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I I started doing comedy, somebody, um, one of the more veteran comedians told me, it was like, if you're trying to get into comedy uh, because you don't want to be a businessman, then you're in the wrong business. Yeah, I mean, same thing I heard
1: about filmmaking because I I was taught by Lloyd Kaufman from Troma. Get the fuck out. Yeah.
0: I didn't know that. Yeah, he
1: was in uh, Suburban Legends. Dude. (laughs) So. I didn't know he taught you. He did like a class. His big thing was like, if you're getting into filmmaking to make money, you're going to get fucking nothing. So like that is just something that is like, yeah, you're doing this for the art and yeah. to tell a story, you're not doing it to make millions of dollars.
0: And you know what? I, I, that reminds me of something that uh, Mr. Feen or not Mr. Feeney, um, Bernie Mac said, because I'll go on YouTube and I'll look up like inspirational things every now and then. Um, Bernie Mac was on uh, Oprah saying that he never worried about the money. Like the money was never important to him. Getting funny was important to him being the best that he could be. Cause he knew if he could get be the best that he could be, eventually the money will come. And I do think that that's way more of an important way, uh, place to, to tell people like, Hey, make sure you, you get your house in order. Make sure you, you put all your ducks in a row because, you know, you might not be the richest filmmaker. You might not be the richest comedian. You might not be the richest rock star or, or comic book creator or pro wrestler or anything, but you can make yourself a pretty nice resume and you can make yourself somebody really reliable for people to, to pick on in the future. But I, I, I will say after Corey gets deflected, he goes into his room and when the fuck did he ever have a Jim Abbott's Yankee poster hanging up on his door?
1: What are you talking about, dude? You must not pay attention that I closely must not. Episode, because he's had that Jim Abbott poster every single episode of the series.
0: <laughs> he. He must have. I must not have been paying attention. And I remember he ripped it down and his dad came in and he asked his dad if he always wanted to be a grocery store manager. And his dad said no. But, you know, as he got older, his dreams changed and he wanted to be a husband and a father. And now he wants to be the dad of a Philly center fielder, which I want to say. One thing really quick, because it reminded me of this, because when I was in the fourth grade, I didn't want to be a pro wrestler. I wanted to be a, um, I wanted to play baseball like I wanted to be play for the Cleveland Indians and the uh, the teacher that I had, like everyone was saying, like, oh, I want to be a nurse. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a fireman, and a police officer, like the, the typical stuff. Yeah. And I said I wanted to play um, second base for the Cleveland Indians. And she stopped the class and she said there's two people that she went to high school with. One wanted to play baseball and one wanted to play football the one who played baseball uh, made it to double a um, minor leagues, um, eventually couldn't play anymore. No one would pick him up. And she was saying, cause it was so hard and and, and whatnot, you know, cause there's always someone out there who's better than you. Um, so he quit baseball and now he has a different job and he's got a wife and kids and he's happy. Yeah. The person who wanted to play football um, was actually playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers at the time. He's like, but he has no wife. He has no kids. His life isn't really fulfilled. Like, yeah, he's got money and stuff like that. So, this is what you have to look for to be an athlete. And I remember being a kid being like, well, fuck you, bitch. Um, <laughs> and now as an adult, I look at that and go, fuck you, bitch. Like, who the fuck are you to tell that to a kid? Yeah. And, and that's why, like, I, I appreciate my parents. Cause I, I know like all parents do, they want to see their kids do well. They, they, yeah. they truly do. But when you have these wild dreams, They might not do to your face, but there is a part where they are going to roll their eyes and be like, what are they getting themselves into? Yeah. You know, but as long as they're there to support you, I I think that's always appreciated. Would you say your parents uh, supported you in your filmmaking and pro wrestling? Uh, eh, kind
1: (laughs) of. They they didn't dissuade me, but they weren't like, woohoo, yeah, do it. Um, Sure. I think it's because they knew like they were a little bit more realistic where they knew they were like, because this is something I've always wanted to do since like I saw Star Wars when I was in like second grade, even with wrestling too. Like I've always wanted to wrestle. I've always wanted to be in a band. I always wanted to make movies. Like I wanted to do like pull off the trifecta Sure. Uh, in a way I kind of did it. Um, But yeah, like I remember like telling my mom for career day that I wanted to be the filmmaker, and we got like these in class. It was like a flat Stanley, I guess what they call them, where it was just like a shape of a guy, like a silhouette, and then you would just draw you. She said they were like the class was supposed to like draw your what you want to do for your when you grow up. So I drew me holding like a film reel, and then like I told my mom, I was like, yeah, I want to make movies like like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, and then you know she was like, oh okay. And I just never really thought about it. So, like, it was always kind of like a, well, I want to, I want to do it just to kind of like, like, yeah, see, I did do it without you shooting me down or blowing me up or
0: anything. Sure. In five minutes, the sun goes down on the suburbs and 55 cops with their guns drawn are betting the suburban legends go with it. Sean Manos is Craig Lazenby. Mary Lee Osborne is Jamie Doyle and introducing Matthew Phillips as Motherfucker Dave. All is fair in love and art. The action begins when they hit the start. Three friends are down to their last resort on making their movie, are now turned to a life of crime to create the budget for their dream to become real. They're making a healthy living by making living unhealthy. Suburban legends, Life on the Rainbow Road, also starring Haley Madison, Mike Travis, Josh Miller, Calvera Candy, and with a special appearance by Lloyd Kaufman. Suburban Legends. Life on the Rainbow Road. They're not criminals. They're artists. Suburban Legends. Life on the Rainbow Road. An MTV production. Written and directed by Mark McKay. Children under 17. Be advised. Available now at storenv.com slash Mark McKay's Gimmick Table. That's Mark McKay. M-A-C-K-A-Y-E-S Gimmick Table. But I would say still, like even that's pretty good. You know yeah. what
1: I mean. What about uh, you with uh with your parents?
0: Um, when it when it came to comedy, you know, it's funny because I, I had this talk with my dad a while ago because like at our engagement dinner, he he said something really touching, saying something like he wished he could have been half the man that I was. You know, at at my point, because he always saw me um, try to go out and do things to my very best. He would tell me he was like, yeah, you know. When you said you want to go out, you know, for the wrestling team, you know, when I was in, in school, you know, I, w- I was this, you know, very thin kid. You know, I, I had no muscle on me and he and was like, all right, you know, we'll see if he, he can do it. And, and, you know, I did it and I, I let it all Four years in high school. Uh, don't take that as me being good out there, guys. Uh, our, we had a very small high school, so <laughs> my freshman year, I just had to have eleven varsity matches, and I lost all eleven. Uh, I got the shit kicked out of me, and my arm ripped out of my socket at one of them. But, uh, but you know, and then hearing me is like, oh, he wants to go on. He wants to do this. He wants to go on. He wants to do that. And when I said I wanted to be a stand-up comedian, they were supportive and they thought it was cool. Um, but they knew, like, they were very realistic. Like, okay, this, he's not going to get on television anytime soon. You know what I mean? I don't want to say they didn't think that I would be able to to stick with it, but it was one of those things like, oh, yeah, so you're going out, you're doing shows, cool. And then as time went by, it was more and more apparent of how passionate I was for it. When I told them I got to, uh, I was selected to perform for Dry Bar Comedy and I'm going to be, you know, I got to film a special for them. Um, at this point, they realized it was like, you know, if I would have told them 10 years earlier, like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, do stand up comedy, I'm going to get a special they would probably be like yeah right you know what i mean like in their yeah. heads they would have been like yeah right but now it, it's one of those things where it's like yeah okay right on you've, you've worked for it you you've done the the stuff you had to do good for you i don't know how much that answers your question uh yeah i mean like your parents are pretty much the same way
1: mine yeah mine are they're just like yeah do it if, if it makes you happy but you still have a job
0: exactly yeah you yeah. gotta be sensible you gotta have a backup plan they they always stressed um You know, making sure I finish college, that was their big big thing with me. Make Um, sure you
1: have a college. Make sure you have an education. Yeah. Continue with that. Hey, everybody. Are you enjoying Mark and Dan Meets World? You do? Then there's a really good chance that you also like comic books. If that's the case, then you need to check out Dan Brown and Heyman Save Christmas. Yes, the co-hosts of this show and my best friend, comedian Dan Brown, wrote his very own comic book series. You're going to get lost in the action comedy of the terrorist attack at the North Pole and a comedian who has to save his beloved holiday with his trustful St. Bernard. Check it out. Get the whole series. Read all three books. Read them again if you want. That's at danbrowncomedy.com. That's danbrowncomedy.com.
0: But I do love and, and for all of the the cameos and, and for all the, the guest appearances, I do love how they got Jim Abbott during really what was the height of his career. For those of you who aren't baseball fans, Jim Abbott was a left handed pitcher for several teams. He, he pitched for the Yankees. He pitched for the Angels. But the difference was he had no right hand. So yeah. if, you, if you saw in the episode and, and you weren't paying too close attention, you'd probably be saying, hey, how come he's only shaking people? Why is he shaking hands with his left hand? Because if you go back and you watch, he had no right hand. And it was fucking bizarre to watch him pitch because, yeah, he threw the ball like a normal person, but he would put the glove on his right arm where the hand should be, um, you know, the point and aim. And then after he would throw the ball, he would quickly be able to, figure out a way to maneuver the arm underneath the glove and get his left hand back into the glove in order to catch a ball if he needed to. Mm-hmm. Like if he had to cover first base fucking bananas, he's not a hall yeah. of famer, you know, and I'm not saying he should be or anything like that, but God damn it, If you're not talking about hard work, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and having to learn how to, how to, how to play the game like that, then Holy shit. What an athlete, yeah. what an I, athlete.
1: I remember hearing stories about Jim Abbott when I was like four or five years old when like this episode aired. Cause like, like he was like a not not like a huge deal. He wasn't like Michael Jordan, but he was like a pretty big deal as like an athlete. Oh, he was. Cause like the things he was doing with just one arm, like a, a one handed picture. Like, and he was I good. Say, yeah. I would say underrated for like by today's standards.
0: Oh, yeah. He was certainly underrated. I mean, the way how we pitched then, I'm sure he would be in any team's rotation right now. Um, and I, I don't mean like, oh, yeah, he'd be their number five hitter. Like, he'd be two, three, yeah. you know, with so much time passed. I don't know if he'd be number one because, you know, the game literally changes. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I mean, he would certainly be on anybody's lineup um, in anyone's pitching rotation. But I love how Corey ripped the phone out of Eric's hand, uh, hung up the phone on him while he was talking to some girl. Sean says tell everyone to come down here jim abbott's in my kitchen and then after jim abbott tells him he's like oh yeah my teacher said not to go play baseball but then i sent him a video of my no-hitter so then he sent me a college application to the university of michigan Uh, he tells Corey that he has a great dad and that his dad sent him a ton of telegrams i love this part too because he asked his dad he was like how did you know he would show up he was like i didn't know but a guy can dream and I thought that was such a, a great moment. And then literally all these kids come running into the house with baseballs, uh, <laughs> except for Minkus who has a basketball. And he's apparently I brought the wrong ball, uh, which I, <laughs> why the fuck would Minkus even give a shit? And where the yeah. fuck did Minkus get a ball? He never plays sports. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I really liked how Jim Abbott like was like, yeah, you can still play baseball. Just get the education. I mean, there's something that like, kind of like our parents told us about like how we were talking about earlier. We were just like, Yeah, you can still have these crazy dreams. Just, you know, make sure you have your education going down.
0: Yeah, make sure you got something to fall back on.
1: So like watching this episode alone, do you think Corey would have eventually made it to the Phillies to play baseball?
0: Based on this episode alone, no. I think the one episode that they could have done with is going to be a few episodes later when he's on the basketball team and he makes JV or he makes second string it was second string yeah because uh second string didn't go on road games that's how i remember that i think if if anything was a show that he could have been a very competitive you know give everything you have athlete it would have been that episode
1: i think he would have made it to the phillies um which is funny because this brings us to this week's um sponsor hey mark and dan meets world listeners Chubby's Underground and Colonel Bubble have teamed up to bring you rare holographic baseball cards featuring Jim Abbott and Corey Matthews. They have guys. Now they have baseball cards. Every card comes stamped with gold foil and comes to life before your eyes with color-enhanced action. For every order of a turkey chubby, you'll receive your very own card. Get them now while supplies last. God damn it, a turkey
0: chubby sounds great right now. I, I kind of want that with a Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like at the very end, uh, Corey's in the backyard. He's, uh, he's throwing pop-ups, and it goes over the fence, and Feeney catches it. Um, which, again, how fucking unobservant is Corey Matthews to not realize that Feeney is five feet away from him at all times? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and they're like little-ass backyards.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's not like they have these massive backyards. There's, there's the door. There's approximately eight feet to the fence i mean i don't know why cory's doing pop-ups right there when he could turn around and do pop-ups like the other way towards the treehouse yeah you know, because I mean? there's clearly a, a much bigger yard or he can go behind the treehouse where there's obviously a yard there yeah um, it's like
1: a massive field behind in the yeah. back well we never go back there
0: yeah, we literally we've never gone back there. And he throws the, the ball over um, Feeney's fence and tells Feeney um, that he's going to we he, he will play baseball, um, but he's going to get an education. He's going to go pro after college and Feeney's happy for him. And he thinks Feeney's going to change the grade. And it ends with Feeney giving him every ball he's ever that's ever gone over his fence back.
1: <laughs> Which, why didn't he get those when he went over there to drink apple juice a couple episodes ago?
0: Yeah. You know what? I literally like right as you were right as you were bringing that point up right now, I just thought about like, yeah, how come he never gave those balls back or asked for them all that time ago? Or how come he just didn't go into the backyard one day when Feeney wasn't home? There's literally a box right by the door. Yeah, he could have just swiped them all. Not even swipe them all. Take like five or six back. There was a massive box there of just balls. There's no way that Feeny would notice five or six of them gone. <laughs> but Mark, I, I think that's uh, I think that's it for for class per union. What do you got to say?
1: Uh, I think the definitely uh, the Feeny lesson of the week is uh, it comes from Alan, um, which your future is complete, but a guy can dream. And I think that kind of holds true to the whole Mr. Feeney lesson of the week.
0: Yeah, because I do think that's ultimately what Feeney was trying to teach as well. Not that your dreams can't come true, but you got to be realistic and you got to be you got to show that you're actually putting thought and work into it. Well, I'm going to say 7.7 out of 10. I'm not saying this should have been a a, a 9.0 or a 9.5. 7.7 is fair. Um, I I would agree with that. I think it was a good episode. It, It didn't light the world on fire, but I certainly had fun with it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, even the B storyline, which we didn't even talk about, like, it's pretty forgettable. I mean, it was the whole like Morgan with the necklace deal, but is that that wasn't black, even...
0: black? No trades back. Yeah,
1: but yeah, that wasn't we... even really that important. So yeah, I would say seven point seven is fair.
0: Absolutely, and this is the one thing I'm excited about. Next week we are going to do another episode of Mark and Dan Meets World. However, it's not Mark and Dan Boy Meets World. We're going to do Mark and Dan Girl Meets World. We are going to do Season 1, Episode episode 1, The Pilot, because based on uh, Episode 8 where Corey and Feeney trade jobs and Corey was a teacher for a week and in this episode where Corey said he wants to be a baseball player, we are going to see what Corey Matthews actually grows up to be. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for this one
1: because I, I haven't seen Girl Meets World. I, I dove into a couple episodes when I got Disney Plus, but just kind of like went by the wayside and watched Smart Guy instead. Um, so yeah, I definitely want to like jump back into Girl Meets World and see the comparisons from this week's episode and last week's episode compared to the first episode of Girl Meets World.
0: Yeah. So we are going to get our Colonel Bubble and we're gonna you guys can sit back with your turkey chubby, enjoy a good meal while you listen to Mark and Dam Meets World next week. We talk about Girl Meets World, the pilot. If you guys have Disney Plus. I promise you this is an episode you're going to want to watch and any episode, any girl meets world episode that we do. I absolutely promise you, you are going to want to tune in and you are going to want to watch that. Those episodes. You're going to see that Michael Jacobs carried the soul from boy meets world over to this other project. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Uh, So yeah, definitely give us a follow on Instagram. uh, Like us on Facebook you can follow us on Spotify, Anchor, all the places where you can listen to a, a podcast to give us a huge rating. Uh, give us a lot of feedback. We love hearing a lot of feedback. We're starting to get some from the first episode now and dude, we're, we're loving our fans right now. So keep the love going, keep the spread going uh, like us up there. I, I think I might post a picture of me dressed up in my eighties hair metal outfit. <laughs> Under the socials. So like definitely keep an eye on, on Facebook and Instagram for
0: that. Keep an eye on, on social medias. Make sure you follow us on the social medias. Follow us on Spotify and where you listen to this podcast at. Uh, for Mark McKay, I'm Dan Brown. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Mark and Dan Meets World. we we'll see you guys again next week. Have a good night. Do good. This- Mark and Dan. Mark and Dan.
1: They- podcast.
0: Mark and Dan.